0: Another sign of poor liver and gallbladder function is going to be right shoulder pain. So if somebody gets a referral pattern of shoulder pain uh, into the right shoulder, even though they don't have a shoulder injury per se, then that could be a sign that the gallbladder isn't working.
1: Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, the Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit chantelrayway.com/podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book audio book recipe book coaching and inner circle facebook group remember the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice
0: hey guys aaron here before we get started i just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our youtube channel not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests but you also get to see any charts graphs or pictures that we may mention search Chantel ray on youtube or click the link in the show notes
1: Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode, and I'm so excited. We have Dr. Sachin Patel, who's the founder and CEO of Living Proof Institute. He's an international speaker. He's an author. He's an advocate for changing the healthcare paradigm. He's delivered hundreds of community workshops. He's got videos that have been viewed by hundreds of thousands of people. And he's got posts that have reached millions all over the world. So it's such an honor to have you on our show today. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Chantel. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and to serve your community.
1: So tell us a little bit about your own health journey and and how you became interested in functional medicine.
0: Sure. So, you know, I've been blessed with pretty reasonably good health my entire life and I've never had like a major health crisis I had more annoying health issues, and it was some of those issues that I didn't realize I had until they actually went away. So my journey in functional medicine actually started uh, many many moons ago, I say, when I had hair, and uh, I was on the news. So I started off, and I'm trained as a chiropractor, and as a chiropractor, we believe in the innate healing potential of the body. When I was working in a sports clinic, when I first graduated, I thought I had my dream job. I was helping elite athletes, Olympic athletes, professional baseball players, football players, you know, people who are just extreme examples of health. And I was helping them get even better from a physical health standpoint. And then I was on the news in 2006, in a good way, they ran a story about our clinic, uh, all about, um, you know, performance type of care. And the care that we were offering was something called active release technique. As a result of that story, uh, which was centered around elbow pain, we had literally you know, 80 people call the office uh, you know, during that 5 o'clock news segment, and they all scheduled appointments, but as they started coming in as patients, very few of them, actually only one person had elbow pain. The rest of them had debilitating chronic health challenges. And that's when I realized that I couldn't help them, but I also realized that nobody else could help them because they'd already been to every doctor and every specialist, And around the same time as serendipity would have it, I started getting emails from somebody who would later become my mentor, Dr. Ron Grisanti, and his emails were resembling a lot of the the case studies he was sharing, resembled a lot of patients that I had to turn away uh, because I didn't know how to help them. So it piqued my curiosity to see what he was doing to help these people, and that's when I discovered functional medicine. And I said to myself, I said, you know... This is like powerful stuff because nobody's helping these people.
1: Well, and there's so few there's so few functional medicine doctors even now. I mean, I feel like the number is rising, but it's so few number of doctors out there.
0: Yeah, now this is we're talking 12 years ago, so there's even fewer of us, right? So this is a very long time ago and as a result of learning what Dr. Prasanti was doing, it piqued my interest and I said, "You know what? Let me learn this." He started offering a course and I said, "Let me take this course." If nothing else, it'll help me and uh, help my future family. I was, you know, uh, dating my then girlfriend at the time, my wife now, but I said, you know, I I never know when this information is going to be helpful to someone I love. So I took the course and I started applying the information. I went gluten free. I started testing myself and my health improved. So I got stronger in the gym, you know, some nagging aches and pains that I had started going away. My mental clarity became better. You know, this fatigue that I had attributed to being active and having a physically active job, that completely went away and resolved. So I got better. I didn't even know there was room to get better, but I got better. And that's when I started my journey. And it became my mission then, you know, to start
1: building that's awesome well let's jump right into the listener questions i feel like i am even though i'm not a functional medical doctor i feel like i am one because i just literally spend all my time doing you know every free moment that i have that's all i do is just listen to more podcasts and read and just figuring out how you can get your health to like this optimal optimal place so all right this first question is frank from florida I just got back from France, and before I went, one of my friends said to me, if you go to France, you can eat all the foods that you can't here. When I'm here in America, I can't eat beer, ice cream, or bread, and if I do, I break out in a psoriasis all over my body. But she was right. When I was in France, I ate all the dairy, the beer, the ice cream, and bread I wanted, and I had no psoriasis. As soon as I came back, tried to eat a little bit here and broke out. What is the deal?
0: Yeah, we hear this quite often actually. Um, you know, people going to foreign countries, going overseas, especially to the European Union, and they're able to eat some of their favorite foods again that they're not able to eat here. So there's a variety of reasons that that happens. One, you're on vacation. Um, so your stress levels generally tend to decrease, that you have a much better, you know, digestive response and immune response and also you're sleeping better. Like There's a lot of other confounding factors, but if we look at this outside of the individual themselves, then the way the food is prepared in these countries is very different. The chemicals that are allowed in the food supply in North America are actually banned in countries like France and Europe and Italy and so on and so forth. So, One of the things that people don't realize is wheat gets sprayed with glyphosate before the harvest because what that does is it forces the the crop to actually increase the size of the seed, so the farmer gets a bigger yield when they spray glyphosate. It's also a desiccant, so it dries the crop up, and it's cheaper than tilling the soil, so everything gets basically decimated, and so you get a bigger yield, but you also get residue of glyphosate uh, that accumulates in these foods. Uh, Dairy is another big problem because of the type of cows that we use, so they use different cows in different countries, and and the amount of casein protein and the type of casein protein can be different and also you know one thing to keep in mind is that a lot of times we ultra pasteurize the dairy products in the united states and also keep in mind what the cows are eating changes the quality of the milk that they produce so if you feed cows skittles then guess what it's going to change the quality of the milk they produce you can feed them corn and soy and grains, which they're not meant to eat, it's gonna change the quality of, and the inflammatory properties of the secretions that they produce. So just like if a mother is eating, uh, you know, a diet of high in, that's high in grains, the quality of her milk is gonna be different versus somebody who's eating a wholesome, healthy diet. So a lot of it has to do with, you know, what's happening to the food, not the food itself.
1: And what about the beer? What would you say about that?
0: Well, the beer is, you know, made from wheat, right? So and barley. Sorry. So that's gonna that's potentially gonna get sprayed as well.
1: Yeah, and I think the yeast too. I think the yeast, some of that yeast in the beer is is different because that this is the second time I've heard that. I, we had another question about that. I, I can't stand the taste of beer, so that's not a problem for me. But we had another question about that where the person said is the one thing, the, the thing that really affects them is beer. So if, the, if they get beer out of their diet, um, they, their psoriasis uh, pretty much goes away. So, um, and you know, that's funny that you say that about the, I'd love to hear your opinion on the grass-fed um, beef it was so funny. We had we had someone on the show, and it was it was funny. He said, "Well, you know, if you think about it, people are like, you know, they talk about grass fed all the time, but they also, you know, cows eat grass, right? So even if someone says it's a grass fed cow." even the ones that they're giving them corn and soy and you know all these additional additives, they're still giving them some grass right So like that, what do cows eat? Cows eat grass right so but they what they do is they supplement so much with all of this corn and you know soy and all of this other stuff. So what is your opinion on you know the difference between, grass-fed and then grass, you know how they say, what is it called when they talk about when it's fed grass for the entire duration?
0: Yeah. So there's grass-fed and there's grass-finished.
1: Finished, yes.
0: So grass-finished is where they're being fed grass, you know, towards the end. Um, you know, here he, I'm, I'm personally a vegetarian, so I, I don't, uh, don't eat animal proteins because we don't know where these animals are coming from right? At the end of the day, like we have no idea. uh, And there's been so many different uh, issues with meat. We have no idea what's happening to these animals, right? And, uh, you know, I I truly believe that, you know, an animal that's naturally raised, you know, eating its most native diet is going to produce the best, um, healthiest meat if you do consume it or the healthiest dairy if you consume it And, you know, you want to know your farmer, that's the best step that you can take in eating highest quality meat is knowing where your meat is coming from, not just relying on packaging labels, but actually knowing the source of the meat. So if you are going to eat meat, then, you know, find a farmer locally or close to you where you can actually uh, connect with them. And then you can buy a quarter cow or a half cow, depending on how much your family consumes and throw it in the freezer. So at least, you know, you know, the quality of the food that you're putting into your family's body.
1: Yeah, so you know what's funny is, is that if you, if you look up grass finished, if you like Google it, some people say that grass finished is when it's just finished at the end, right? Like they've been given whatever but at the end. But some people say that grass finished actually means that that, that they weren't given anything else from start to finish grass so you know it gets very you know when you're looking at that it gets very kind of muddy because some you know it's all in you know the the difference in one person says this one person says that Um, and if you look on the internet both of those definitions are kind of all over the place of what means what. And just because, like they said, just because if something says grass-fed, it doesn't mean that it's 100%, right? It just means at some point it was given grass. That's why it's just so, you know, it's kind of muddy on those yeah, definitions. That's why it's to
0: know, you know who's raising your food.
1: Who's raising it, exactly. an so right.
0: opportunity locally and, uh, you know, interview them because, you know, that, that person is responsible, you know, You know, for the food that you're putting on your family's plate. So it's a a small task to outsource and an important one for you to do.
1: Yeah. Okay, Nicole in Arkansas. I feel like there's something wrong with my liver because I've been having heart palpitations. And when I was looking up symptoms on Dr. Google, it said I might be having a problem with the secretion of bile, which would cause liver issues. Can you explain more about bile and how it works with the symptoms I'm having, it seems like something is wrong with either my liver, my gallbladder, or bile secretion. How can I be sure? Is there a way to tell if my bile is normal? Nicole in Arkansas.
0: Yeah, great question. So bile is actually a waste product from the liver, and its function is, it's actually quite cool what the body does. So we, we take, you know, hormones and waste products, and we metabolize them and convert them into bile. That's a very simplification, a simplified way of explaining it. But what bile does is it helps emulsify fat. So anytime you have a meal that has fat in it, your, bile, your gallbladder is, is going to squeeze, and it's going to secrete bile to emulsify the fat, so the fat can then be turned into tiny little droplets and, and absorbed uh, through the digestive tract into your body. So bile itself is very important in helping you uh, absorb, uh, you know, fat-soluble vitamins, vitamins A, D, and K, getting the healthy fats in your diet into your body so your body can utilize it. And bile is also antimicrobial, so it kills bacteria that may have gone through the stomach and uh, the acids in the stomach. So it, it also serves as a way of killing. Kind of like a final rinse cycle, if you will, of killing off bacteria that shouldn't be there in the the digestive tract. Uh, One way to check if your bile is secreting uh, adequately is by the color of your stool. So if your stool is like a tan or a light color, or it's like the color of a cardboard box, um, then that's a little bit too light. We want your stool to be on the darker side of brown, and that is usually going to be an indication that you're secreting adequate amounts of bile. Now, another sign that you're not secreting enough bile is if your stool floats because stool that has a lot of fat in it is gonna float to the top of the toilet bowl as opposed to sinking uh, towards the bottom. Another sign that you're not absorbing fats or your gallbladder isn't working properly is if you eat a high fat meal and it upsets your stomach. Some people might get nausea, some people might get diarrhea or have loose bowel movements because the fats are not being absorbed uh, in their body or if your stool has a shiny appearance to it, then that could be an indication that you're not absorbing fats. And now another outward sign would be dry skin, uh, achy joints because you're not getting those essential fats and lubricating those joints properly. Uh, So those are other outward signs that you're not getting uh, adequate bile secretion. Now, one of the things that we see as a common deficiency in people is B6. B6 is what keeps your bile in suspension. It's what keeps your bile nice and uh, liquid as opposed to being viscous. And uh, B6 is also depleted when people are under chronic stress. So if somebody has chronic persistent stress, they're going to deplete their B6 uh, levels. And then when B6 is low, they're going to be more likely to crystallize their bile and get gallstones. Uh, Another sign of poor uh, poor liver and gallbladder function is going to be right shoulder pain. So if somebody gets a referral pattern of shoulder pain uh, into the right shoulder, even though they don't have a shoulder injury per se, then that could be a sign that the gallbladder isn't working uh, adequately or appropriately. So those are some of the, some of the ways you can tell. And if you want to test, then you can certainly do. In our office, we do a stool test, and that looks for um, you know how much uh, fat is in that person's stool. And if their uh, fat levels are high in the stool, then we know that their gallbladder isn't doing their job properly. Its job. Properly.
1: So what is what do they need to do? So I know they have different things out there like bile builders, right? Like different things that help. The bile to secrete more bile. <laughs> um, what what would be a solution for you? So, if some if if you if they did do the test and they said yes, and you know what is hysterical? Um, I, I think we had a question. Somebody somebody said. Somebody on our show talked about this exact thing. And they talked about how your poop, you know, your poop, you should look in your toilet and see if your poop floats. Because if your poop is floating, that's a really bad sign. And so now we get all these questions. Oh my gosh, my poop is like, it's just like, you know, everyone's going crazy. They're like, I've been checking my poop and my poop's been floating. Maybe this is why I'm, you know, not doing well. Um, So everyone's kind of jumping on this bandwagon here. But, uh, so talk about that. So let's just say you do, you look, you go, oh my gosh, my poop is floating. Um, there's too much fat in my poop. What, what, what would, what would the supplements be that you would suggest? What would be that person's next step?
0: Well, I mean, one of the things that we want to look at first before we start supplementing is looking at their diet, right? So making sure that they're not eating a lot of, you know, high, you know, low quality fats in their diet, we definitely want to get rid of those.
1: So like, what about avocado, which is so high in fat, but it's good fat? Would you tell them, hey, they need to slow down on some of that avocado?
0: No, we would. I mean, like I said, we would remove low quality fats from their diet. So, you know, things like canola oil, vegetable oil, uh, a lot of those oils can go rancid, so we don't want those oils in the body. So we definitely want to look at their diet a little bit more carefully. Uh, we'd also, you know, in terms of helping increase bile production, the liver is what makes the bile. And uh, and so we'd want to support the liver. There's a great product that we use. It's called LVGB, and it's a liver gallbladder support product. So it's going to have the methylating cofactors that are needed. It's going to have the B vitamins that are needed, like B6, for example, in order to be able to make the actual bile itself. And like I said, B6 is really good for keeping bile in suspension because sometimes people just might have gallstones and they don't even realize that they're crystallizing their bile because of this deficiency.
1: So would you say someone, so when you, when they go to the, let's say they just went to the vitamin store uh, or health food store and they, you're saying instead of getting like a B complex, specifically get b6 the b6 vitamin which will really help with bile secretion
0: well i mean odds are if somebody is deficient in, in b6 they're probably deficient in other things right so you know my personal health philosophy is i don't like to guess with my health or other people's health as well so it's hard for me to make a recommendation and uh and and, you know, have integrity by just telling people to go to the health food store and buy something. I don't even know if they need it, right? Frankly, I don't even know if this person actually has a gallbladder issue or not. So, you know, the responsible thing to do is to, you know, seek advice from a healthcare provider. If you've got this problem, if you've got palpitations, uh, one of the most common causes of palpitation is magnesium deficiency. So you might want to, you know, get a micronutrient test to see what your nutrient deficiencies are, because just taking a bunch of supplements i mean i think that's the problem these days is people just want to take a pill without yes. getting a proper evaluation and i don't want to i don't want to be part of that problem so i think the yes. best thing to
1: do that's is, great advice
0: is to see somebody who knows you know what's going on with your health and get a thorough evaluation because it could be something bigger than a bile issue right it could be something that uh, that that needs you know the proper attention so i would say
1: and you you can do these consultations with people uh, via Zoom, like like we're doing now, or via phone, correct? So they can live anywhere. Because if you notice, all these questions are from all over the country. You can do all these; they don't have to come see you, correct?
0: Well, I actually don't see patients, so I train okay. doctors now, and okay. uh, but I have a team of people that can see patients and right. uh, and help answer some of these questions. But you know, really, what we focus on in our clinic is is a complete health regeneration process and and so we don't just work on like symptoms we actually dig deep and find out what the root causes and then come up with a permanent health strategy not just you know managing symptoms through supplements or through consultation so we kind of take a big picture approach uh and help that person live their best life possible
1: Mm. all right perfect all right this is from jackson in san diego For years I've had to help, for years I've used things to help me go poop, like Senna and different teas. Now I can't go poop if I don't have it, so it's a bad spiral. I feel like it's bad for my body to keep depending on these different teas that make me go poop and different aloe and pills, but if I don't do it, then I can't poop and then I feel terrible. What should I do? Jackson in San Diego?
0: Yeah, great question. So, you know, one of the main contributors to motility is going to be vagal tone. So we have a nerve that starts in our brainstem. It's cranial nerve number 10. It's the vagus. Vagus means wanderer. So it starts in our neck and it goes to all of our vital organs in our trunk. And so it's one of the regulators of our bowel motility function. And so peristalsis is that squeezing action of the bowel it keeps things moving in the right direction, and if that nerve is not working properly, then motility is going to be an issue for people. So, you know, we can give people motility agents, you know, like aloe, like senna. You know, you know, sometimes even fiber can be helpful for people. But the main thing you want to do is you want to fix the motility issue. So, vagus nerve can be stimulated many different ways. Uh, one is gargling. So, what I suggest to people is, you know. Uh, fill your mouth up with, you know, about half full with water, and then you want to gargle. You want to gargle until your eyes start to water.
1: Keep going. I'm not going to do it now, but keep going. So, literally, you're going to gargle the water.
0: Yep, you're going to gargle the water until you tear because okay. you have a nucleus in your brain stem that's the nucleus for the vagus nerve that's next to the nucleus that causes tear production so you know you're getting enough stimulation if you start to tear so you might want to do the alphabet a couple times that usually helps Uh, humming and chanting also mechanically stimulates the vagus nerve Uh, deep breathing stimulates the vagus nerve and also cold showers stimulate the vagus nerve so these are things that are going to stimulate that vagal tone when you stimulate vagal tone you're going to get increased peristalsis you're going to get a much richer parasympathetic response, and and really all of your health function is going to start to improve. Now, some people, uh, there's some people that have something called SIBO, and SIBO is a bacterial overgrowth that occurs in the small intestine. For some people, it's gonna cause constipation. For some people, it's gonna cause loose bowel movements or diarrhea. So if, you know, vagal tone isn't, you know, creating a solution for you by getting that vagus nerve activated, then you might want to investigate to see if you have a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth that's causing you to have a propensity towards uh, constipation. Uh, Movement is also important. You know, making sure you're exercising. Rebounding is a great way uh, to, you know, use gravity as a leverage tool. And then if you're going to take a supplement, a supplement that people can try using is called magnesium citrate. So magnesium citrate draws water into the bowel so it can uh, ease some of the constipation issues people have.
1: All right, this is from Lexi in Norfolk. I've been having sharp pains in my heart and when I Googled all the rest of my symptoms, I read something that this could be a gallbladder issue. How could my heart be affected by my gallbladder? This doesn't even make sense. Is this possible okay so let's look at this picture Um, liver makes bile all the time and it literally trickles down the tubes that lead into the small intestines but there's this little valve that's closed when you're not eating what happens is the bile will back up and it it drops into the gallbladder when you're not eating So it's just stored there and it's concentrated. So when you do eat it, when you do eat any kind of fat, you know, a steak or um, fried food, as soon as you eat those foods, it basically squeezes some bile out. And that valve opens up and then the bile helps the digestion of all that fatty foods. And so sometimes the gallbladder concentrates it so much That it solidifies and it turns into these little gallstones. And and these gallstones could be literally the size of a stand or it could be all the way to the size of a golf ball. And when that gallbladder tries to shoot out the bile, if there's stones in there, the stones can get stuck in that neck of the gallbladder of the valve leading into the intestines. And that's where you'll get that pain. And it, it's not really chest pain. It's right underneath your chest. Um, so it's not chest pain you're feeling. It's just right underneath. It's actually kind of in that chest cavity. So, you know, based on how big your gallstones are. So gallstones are like pearls. So they, they can start small. But as they sit there, they can get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so as soon as you eat some fatty food, boom, that gallbladder starts Um, shooting out the bile and that that stone can get stuck and so if that's if depending on how big the gallstones are that's going to be the severity of the pain that's going to be shooting into you all right angela and pigeon forge i don't even know where that is because of the research i've done i've completely removed gluten from my diet because of my autoimmune issues but i'm really struggling to give up dairy Everyone I talk to says that it will really help me, but I just love my cheese. Is there a way to tell if I'm specifically allergic to dairy? If I was, if I was allergic to dairy, what would my symptoms be? Angela and Pigeon Forge.
0: Well, I mean, one of the symptoms of dairy intolerance is going to be autoimmunity. So, uh, you've already got that. So that's usually one, one sign, uh, you know, the the gold standard for allergies and sensitivities is elimination. So, yes, you can spend a few hundred dollars and get a test done. Uh, the test that we use is done by Cyrex Labs uh, if we were to test people. But, you know, we stopped testing people, you know, a long time ago because it was cheaper for them to just eliminate the food and see how they felt. And if they felt better, then we knew it was a positive finding. Because um, here's the thing, you can spend the money – and wait a few weeks to get the results, but in that same amount of time, without spending any money, you could just cut it out and see how you feel,
1: that's right? Nice, yeah.
0: And, and not every test is gonna give you 100% accuracy, so sometimes you can get a false negative, and that's not helping the patient. One of the reasons dairy is difficult to give up is because um, just like gluten, you, you make something called gluteomorphins, which are morphine analogs, so literally gluten is, is addictive to us, and so is casein, so caseomorphins are the same, they, they actually uh, are addictive, and so it's hard for people to give up these certain foods. The best way to know is, is, is to eliminate, and then if you're still not convinced, then you can certainly get the testing done, but uh, you know, I would say that if you've got an autoimmune condition, then is probably not gonna be your best friend. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the testing
1: says. Hey guys, we absolutely love getting your questions into the podcast, but we're also interested in your journey. So if you've started intermittent fasting and have some success or even struggling a little bit, we want to hear about it. Email me your intermittent fasting stories to Chantel at ChantelRayWay.com. Now back to the show. This next question is from Leanne in South Africa. She says, greetings. Greetings. My name is Leanne from South Africa, and I love your podcast. It's a wealth of information, and I enthusiastically look forward to each one. My question involves Soleil, pronounced Soleil, and I'm pretty sure you might have heard of it before, but if not, it's a mixture of distilled water that has been fully saturated with pink Himalayan salt. I fast with Soleil and add it to my water all day long. Personally, I drink loads of water during the day as it helps me get through my fast and avoid headaches. When I, Whenever I struggle with the fast, drinking Soleil magically makes it easier to fast for a couple hours or more. It's extremely comforting to me like hot chocolate on a rainy day, and my brain seems to strangely associate with this warm soup. In total, I add about three tablespoons of sole to my water per day. I double... I doubt it breaks the fast as it takes my hunger away, but I'm wondering what the effects of it may be other than the benefits of fasting, such as autophagy. Leanne in South Africa.
0: Yeah, I'm actually, to be totally honest, I'm not familiar with that product.
1: Mm-hmm, uh, I'm not either. Have
0: you heard of it before?
1: I haven't. I haven't heard of it, no. And the way she spells it is O L E but she wrote, it's pronounced S-O-H-L-E-Y. So like she said, soul is basically water that's oversaturated with pink Himalayan salt, which is so much better than, than regular salt, table salt, which isn't the best for you. That pink Himalayan salt has over 80 minerals because it hasn't been processed. So those minerals are what make the soul water so magical. So when it relates to fasting, soul water actually doesn't break your fast. It's perfectly fine to have that. And, you know, during a normal day of fasting, you're going a long period of time without eating and with little sodium. And so when you don't have the sodium, there's nothing to retain the water you consume throughout the day. So if you drink that soul water, the sodium would actually start retaining some of that water, causing the fluid and weight changes. So, the kind of sodium that we're talking about again—it's that pink Himalayan salt. And sodium is an element; it's not a macronutrient, which is what knocks you out of the fast, like fats, proteins, and carbs. Um, and there's just so many other benefits. I mean, you've just—you're talking about increased hydration. It is really good for detoxing your body, better energy. Um, and a lot of times it might just relieve some muscle cramps. All right, this is from Anonymous. It's so funny. Anytime we get these kind of questions about poop, they people put Anonymous. I've been taking a parasite cleanse and every time I go to the bathroom, I check my stool to see if anything worm-like comes out. And I don't. Everything looks normal. Does this mean I don't have parasites and I could quit? When I do these cleanses, they just don't make me feel good. Should I see a doctor for a stool sample? I just don't want to put my body through the side effects of these cleanses if it's not necessary. And how long should I take these cleanses for? Great
0: question. Um, You know, we do a lot of parasite cleanses for our patients, but it's typically after taking a good history. So you want to definitely. Uh, Look at your history, if you have a history of travel, if you have a history of, um, you know, a partner that's had a parasite in the past, if you have a history of uh, food poisoning or getting sick on a trip, or even at home, you know, this can happen even at local restaurants, then that might be a good indication that you have a parasite. Uh, We do genetic testing, so we do a, a test that looks at the genetic composition of your stool to see if there's any indications that you have a parasite. And then we use, uh, you know, we use certain products that can be helpful. One thing that you might want to do uh, is, is actually take a little, like a little stick or a little Q-tip or something and break up your stool. So if your stool is formed, you might want to break it up a little bit because sometimes the parasites are going to be, you know, part of the stool and you're not going to be able to see them. Uh, so you might have to break up your stool and see if they're in there. I remember uh, we have, we get lots of pictures of patient's stools and they were normal until they you know took a little q-tip and broke their stool apart and then the worms would be inside so sometimes yeah at visual visual glance you might not see it Um, so you might actually have to take that extra step and see if it's still there and sometimes depending on the product that you're using again like check with your whoever your healthcare provider is or whoever's dispensing that product to you i don't know what you're taking so i can't comment on it but you know check to see if um, if it's appropriate to increase the dosage. So I remember once when I did a parasite cleanse, you know, for four weeks, nothing was happening. And then I doubled the dose. And then that's when I started noticing things coming out. So, you know, depending on, again, on the product, uh, it could be months until some of these things are cleared out of your body. So you might just have to be patient. And, and you know, if you're unsure, then I would definitely get tested.
1: And do you f- do you sell these supplements on your site or would you do that? You would get those supplements after you met with one of your trained associates and then they would recommend whatever it is. Yeah,
0: we don't sell any supplements on our website because we're not really, I mean we're not really trying to sell the general public products. We prescribe products. And so it's almost like a a pharmacy in the sense that you have to be, say they don't sell drugs on a doctor's website. We don't sell supplements because, you know, you have to have the right product at the right time for the right person. That's our, that's our personal philosophy.
1: Yeah. And then you'll just say one of your associates, they would just send everyone a test, right? Like, and then you would just do a stool sample and kind of send that back. And then you guys would do, how long does that take about to get those stool samples back?
0: It could be about seven days after the lab receives it, we get the results and, uh, and then we can see what's going on down there. And, you know, typically Chantal, when people come to us, they're not just coming for a test um, and, and that's kind of the level of the engagement. They're coming for an entire program um, because, you know, that, that's just one part of what's going on with them, right? There's things that people can tell you, like people can come in and say, oh, my digestion sucks. Like, what can we do to fix it? But usually that's stemming from a whole bunch of other issues in their life, right? There could be dietary concerns. There could be environmental issues. There could be stress related to what's causing these issues for them. It could be mitochondrial dysfunction. It could be the vagus nerve. So people, it's, I know know people kind of want like a cut and dry solution for all their problems kind of because they're stuck in that, you know, This pill for this ill paradigm. And that's what I think the biggest problem is right now in alternative healthcare is that there's people that are ready to sell you a pill at every corner. Right. (laughs) And we don't want to be part of what I believe is a problem because we do very objective testing. We take a very thorough history on our patients. We get a commitment from that patient to work with them over the next six to eight months. We commit to them that we're not just going to throw a bunch of pills at them, that we're going to do, you know, an investigative process to make sure that we're doing things in the right order to help them. And, uh, and we're going to do what's right for them. You know, we work with our patients in, in the same capacity that we would want to be worked with. Um, and not just, you know, throwing pills at them because there's plenty of people that can do that for, for them already. You know, they can go to the GNC and get a bunch of pills. They can go to their local healthcare provider and get a bunch of pills but we don't believe that that's the solution. We believe that the patient ultimately is the solution and the pill can be a tool, but it's not the solution.
1: Okay. Perfect. Jamie in Colorado. To make a long story short, I was recently diagnosed with MS about three months ago. I am only 29 and this was really upsetting for me because I felt my whole life was over. My doctor has been experimenting with different medicines and side effects have been horrible. I feel like I'm on a roller coaster. It's dawning to me to think that I might have to be on medication for the rest of my life, but I want to do anything I can to keep the symptoms at bay and keep this from progressing. Do you know any more natural alternatives that I could consider? I'm open to any supplements, homeopathic medications, and diet and lifestyle changes so that I can give so that I can live my life as much as possible, Jamie in Colorado.
0: Yeah, Jamie, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, you know, here here's the thing. I don't. You know, you're only 29, but even if you're 59, this would be a devastating diagnosis. So, uh, what I would say is that one, you said it yourself. Your doctor is experimenting with you, and you're not a pincushion or a guinea pig. And I would immediately change doctors because if they're experimenting with you, it means they have no idea what they're doing. So you always want to work with somebody who knows what they're doing, who isn't experimenting with you, who's asking the right questions. And the right question should always be what is this person toxic with and what are they deficient of? So you might be deficient of certain nutrients like B vitamins, you know, B12 and, you know, B9 are particularly important for your nervous system. And so if you're deficient in B12, then you're not going to make healthy nerve tissue. B1 is also important as well. So make sure you're getting your micronutrient profile evaluated to see if your body even has the ability to make healthy nerve sheaths and tissues. MS is an autoimmune condition. Virtually all autoimmune conditions start in the digestive tract. So looking for stealth infections, looking for intestinal permeability, cutting out gluten, cutting out dairy, cutting out glyphosate, which is found in basically any You know genetically modified food and even some healthy non-genetically modified foods are going to be sprayed with glyphosate so chickpeas are going to be sprayed lentils are going to be sprayed you know corn soy which are not healthy for you but those are going to be sprayed so you want to cut these foods out of your diet because they're going to be contributing to dysbiosis in your gut back in your gut uh, microbiome that dysbiosis leads to chronic inflammation chronic inflammation is what triggers your immune system to stay in an overexcited state And that overexcited state is basically like a fire. And, you know, when you have one autoimmune condition, 50% of people have a second autoimmune condition because it's the same mechanism that's causing it. You know, if somebody were to come to us with MS, we would never treat the MS. We would work on restoring balance in the immune system. You know, there's nothing that your doctor is going to give you that's going to make you healthier. If a healthy person took the medications that you're probably taking right now, they would actually get sicker. But if a healthy person... Cut out gluten, cut out dairy, cut out inflammatory foods, improve their gut microbiome, improve the status of their micronutrients and their B vitamins, they would actually get healthier. So you want to find out where you are, where your starting point is, and focus on getting healthy, not focus on treating the MS, because I 100% guarantee you, if we tested you, you would have more than MS going on. No disease develops in isolation. So this ridiculous model of healthcare that we have that says, oh, you've got MS and everything else is perfectly fine in your body. That's stupid. It makes no sense whatsoever. And only a fool would actually fall for that strategy and that methodology, which is, you know, millions of people are falling for it because, you know, the pharmaceutical company has billions of dollars of marketing that they've done. They're indoctrinating the public, indoctrinating doctors to think this way. But we're soon going to find out that it doesn't work. Like we haven't cured anything. Name one cure that we have. We don't have a cure for cancer, for heart disease, for autoimmunity, for diabetes, like nothing.
1: We're just putting drugs. All they're doing is, it's just, oh, here's a drug, here's a drug, here's a drug, and the pharmaceutical companies are getting richer and richer.
0: Yeah, and we have no idea what these drugs do, right? Like, the newest drug is the drug that has the least amount of research behind it, right? Because... The, re- the real research comes when they release these poisons into the public and the average person starts taking it. And we start realizing that, oh, that was a bad idea. You know, any drug that you're given for MS is basically going to be in a biological immunosuppressant, which means you're not opening up the door for cancer. So even if your MS symptoms go away, the door is wide open for, for any other immune-related disease to present itself. So it's, you know, the, the real cure, there's, a, there's actually a documentary called Living Proof, that you might want to watch about this entire MS scandal. And there's, a, there's, a, there's somebody who you might want to follow who reversed her own autoimmunity using functional medicine. Her name is Terry Walls. And she wrote a book called The Walls Protocol, which is now being studied. Uh, so you know, this would be the direction that I would recommend that you go.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And I would say, Jamie, you should call Dr. Patel's office right away and schedule an appointment immediately. Like do not pass go. And thank you for sharing that with us okay this is from christine in florida i loved your podcast with dr evan brand i learned so much from him but one of the things he touched on but didn't go too deep on was the harmfulness of hair dye this struck me because i realized that hair dye is basically the only product in my life that i have not gone natural with i have a ton of gray hair and letting them show is not an option ha ha If I have gone all natural and organic with literally everything else, how important is it that I give up my hair dye? Are there any ingredients or products that I should specifically avoid and what ingredients should I look for for a healthier alternative?
0: You know, you're asking the wrong person about hair dye because uh, I don't have any hair. <laughs> I, do have, I do have some grays in my beard, but I refuse to, to use any products uh, to cover them up. I'm actually trying to reverse the grays in my beard using Ration Mushroom. But uh, here, here's what I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you that I think you know the answer, Right. Uh, you know, that you should be using an organic, natural product for your hair dye. If you go to a health food store, I'm sure there's somebody there that can help you find a product that's going to be suitable for you. I know that some people use henna uh, as a hair dye, and that's, that can be very effective for them. Uh, you didn't tell us what color your hair was, but, you know, if your hair is really dark, jet black, then henna might not be the solution. But, you know, for some people, um, you know, that could be a, that could be a viable option And, you know, one thing that I will say is that there's lots of uh, options out there. My wife doesn't have any grays yet either. She's a portion 40. She doesn't have any grays. So I I think a a good thing to keep in mind is, you know, love yourself the way you are. And if you don't love yourself the way you are and you want to, you want to dye your hair, then make sure you're using the natural, most natural products that you possibly can. Um, And I would say, you know, go to a local health food store and there'll probably be somebody there who can, who can help you in, in making sure that you find something that suits your needs.
1: Yeah, and I would say there's a there's a pro, there's a line called Davines D A V I N E S davines.com and uh, it's actually I think it's made, the products are made in Italy and I think it's like 96% organic and for me that's what I have chosen to use and it's the best product and you can actually find AOC Salon has it um uh, Anne Marie here in Virginia Beach has it. But you can go to that website and see which salons have it. But to me, that is the best one that I have found that's the most natural that you can get at a salon. Okay.
0: Yeah, ammonia-free too, so that's good. Yes,
1: that's, that's the biggest thing is that it's got to be ammonia-free. Um, Jenna in Alexandria. I read an article about the CBD oil not being regulated and how when you take it, you don't know how much you're actually getting. The milligrams can vary. Even if it says 750 milligrams, there's no way to know for sure. It kind of freaked me out, so I quit taking it about I quit taking about taking it for about a week after taking it for four months, and I feel terrible. Do you think this is a coincidence, or is there really something to the CBD oil, or is it just another fad? I'm always very hesitant of multi-level marketing products. What is your opinion?
0: Yeah, I mean, she didn't mention what product she was taking, though, right? Like she she say
1: she didn't say which brand. Mm -mm.
0: Okay, so you know, a dear friend of mine, Joshua Hayes, in uh, Lima, Ohio, like he's he's a big proponent of CBD. And the product that I've used and the product that he recommends is called UltraCell, which is a CBD product and it's made from hemp. And you know, we do have cannabinoid receptors.
1: And wait, say the name of it one more time. Ultra what?
0: UltraCell. Okay. So it's a full spectrum hemp CBD oil. Okay. Okay. So that's that's the one that uh, that I would recommend if she's going to be using one. It is a direct sales. Uh, company. I have no problem with direct sales companies because uh, everything is direct sales when you really think about it. A lot of times these companies are going to have, you know, they're going to make really, really good products, right? Like some of the best essential oils are made by direct sales companies. Some of the best coffees, you know, and mushroom products are made by direct sales companies, cleaning products. So, you know, I don't know if if that's the litmus test that I would use, whether something's direct sales or not to exclude it as as a great product. But uh, the one that we recommend is called UltraCell, And if you felt better using it, then that's great. And there's really no known, as far as I know, toxicity level uh, from CBD. You just don't want to be taking too much. So maybe you can count out the drops and find out what the minimally effective dose is for you and take that amount, right? So instead of being attached to a number, find out what works for you, right? For some people, it might be more. For some people, it might be a little bit less, depending on what your current state of health is. So You know, find the minimally effective number of drops that worked best for you um, and then use that as your your guideline instead of the product label itself because it sounds like you felt better using it. So why stop doing something that makes you feel good?
1: I agree. All right. Rebecca from Wisconsin. Hi. I love, love, love your show and I find it very helpful and I listen every week. I'm a 48-year-old woman married with two kids, and I still have regular periods except the last four months. Stressful things can bring it on early or skip it. I experience severe insomnia, usually around the hours of 1 to 3.30 in the morning. It wipes me out not getting good sleep. I'm assuming it's my hormones, and I read a lot about maca and black cohosh to help with sleep, but I also heard that it can make you gain weight and that is something I definitely do not want. It's hard enough to lose weight after 40, yet I need need sleep, especially with a lot of family stress and aging parents. I do suffer from low iron count and chronic fatigue if that helps. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Any advice for low iron count and chronic fatigue?
0: Yeah, so the the thing that stuck out to me is that she's got a lot of stress. That's going to cause you to gain weight more than the cohosh and the maca. (laughs) Uh, I wouldn't be worried about the maca. And maca can be very beneficial uh, for men and women, uh, especially with their reproductive health. But what I would say is that, you know, If your iron count is low that's going to be causing your chronic fatigue because you need iron in order to drive your mitochondrial function and so i would investigate why your iron is low in the first place what
1: are some reasons that people's iron is low
0: yeah actually i just did a talk on this earlier today so iron can be low for a few reasons one you're not eating enough two you're not absorbing enough because you don't make enough stomach acid Three, you have pathogenic bacterial or, or uh, stealth infection overgrowth, like a parasite that consumes your iron. Um, it could also be because you're bleeding. Uh, you could have occult blood loss through, the, through your bowels. Uh, some people, some women have really heavy menstrual cycles, so that could cause them to be low in iron. Uh, and also, one of the things that we're seeing nowadays more than ever is that glyphosate, which is sprayed on a lot of crops, that depletes iron from the plant itself so spinach now compared to spinach let's say 100 years ago has less iron in it because the plant cannot absorb it from the soil itself Uh, so I would look at you know all of those confounding factors and certainly when we increase somebody's stress levels we're going to decrease their stomach acid production Mm -hmm. and healthy digestive function we're also going to you know, suppress them. So they're more likely to have stealth infection. So, you know, this, this is why, you know, I mentioned this earlier, you really need somebody to do a full workup on you because there's a lot of moving parts here, right? And it's not just going to be one pill that fixes all of these moving parts. It's going to be looking at the person as a whole, really understanding what's going on in their mind, what's going on in their life, what's going on in their environment, what's going on in their body. Uh, you know, and that's, That's the responsible thing to do is is to really look at what are the confounding factors that are creating this outcome, because it's not going to be, you know, hey, this is my problem. Here's the pill that's going to fix it. You really have to take a global, you know, holistic, vitalistic approach to somebody's health.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Really good. All right. This is Chelsea in Greenville. My local tanning salon has a red light therapy chamber, which I've tried a couple times and it feels really nice. I know that on your podcast you've talked about it helping with psoriasis, which is not something that I struggle with. What are some other benefits of red light therapy? And do you think there's really something to it, or is it what my mom would call another snake oil? LOL. <laughs> I think this question is so funny because my mom, even though she's like she's really big into like organic and healthy and da da da, but. She does say, one of the things she says to me all the time is like, she's like, oh, you that's a, that's another snake oil. She'll say that, you know, like, just because, you know, there's so much out there that, you know, they say, oh, if you do this, I mean, it can really get overwhelming. I mean, you know that. Everyone's like, oh, take, take this or use this or blah, 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 or this is going to solve all your problems. And so... I just think that's funny that her mom says that, or what my mom would call another snake oil. So, what's your opinion on the red light therapy chambers and just red light therapy in general?
0: You know, so I come from kind of a biohacking world, and, you know, red light therapy is used quite extensively by people uh, who are looking to, you know, improve healing, improve circulation, help with weight loss, muscle recovery, joint pain, even thyroid function. You know, so there's a lot of skin health uh, is another thing that improves. So, you know, there's a lot of benefits to red light. And, you know, the only way to know is is if you're going to benefit from it is to use it yourself. And there's a ton of research uh, on red light therapy. So it's not something that it, it can seem snake oilish because there's a lot of different companies now that are making red lights and maybe making ridiculous claims. But there's a lot of research and evidence to back it up. And it's a very safe intervention as well, so it's it's much safer than some of the other things people are doing, um, because it's just simply a light therapy. And and uh, you know, I personally don't use a don't use a red light. I use an infrared sauna uh, myself, and I use.
1: Um, How often you know, are you using that infrared sauna?
0: Uh, three times a week.
1: That's awesome. I know. I one of the things that I said a, a good friend of mine <clears throat> had cancer, and she just recovered from uh, breast cancer but one of the things I said to her that it just makes a lot of sense that infrared there the infrared sauna the thing I love about that is that you know when I leave there I'm just like I get out of there and I'm literally dripping with sweat and you know the thing about it is is that if you are sweating like that you're taking all those toxins out of your body and it's just so so important. I think a lot of us are just not sweating like we need to, and so I just think a great question to ask yourself every day is, "What am I doing to sweat out these toxins out of my body?" Because there's so many.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sweating is excellent. So you know, you know, near, mid, and far infrared that combination is going to be quite powerful for somebody who's looking to do some deep healing. So I would, I would definitely. Uh, encourage that.
1: All right. This is our last question. Jennifer in Rhode Island. I heard a podcast that said I should not juice because it removes the fiber and I should be drinking smoothies. But the next podcast I listen to says you need to juice, juice, juice. It's the best thing for you. I know you talk about drinking ju- green juices and feeling good. What is your opinion on juices versus smoothies?
0: Well, I mean, juices are going to cut up the fiber. So that's going to be, that could be a potential challenge for people. So if you are going to be juicing fruits then just keep in mind that there's going to be a big spike in your blood sugar, it's going to come back down and assuming you're healthy, it's not going to be too much of a problem. A smoothie is going to be something that uh, includes the fiber. So, you know, I would recommend juicing vegetables and then uh, making smoothies with fruits um, because then you get the fiber and you get, you know, the, get a a better balance in your blood sugar that way. So that would be my recommendation.
1: Yeah. I think that's great advice. And I have started drinking just because I have such a problem with pooping that for me, I, I will juice, um, I juice celery juice. I juice, uh, like just straight spinach juice. I take, I take half celery and half spinach Um, So when I am going to juice, I'll drink just celery juice by itself, which really increases my um, stomach acid. And then I'll take half celery and half spinach, and that's it, just the combination of those two, and I'll juice that. But everything else um, I'm going to have in a smoothie because I need the fiber to help me poop, so... Well, Dr. Patel, it was such an honor to have you on the show and tell folks if they want to. I mean, everyone that was, was on this, these questions, I feel like every one of them, we need to write back and say, you know, get to Dr. Patel's uh, website immediately and schedule uh, something right away. So, um, you know, talk about how someone can, can get in touch with you.
0: Yeah, sure. the The best thing to do, um, you know, is to actually go to our website. If you go to www.becomeproof.com, at the top of the page you'll see an opt-in, and we give away our thirty best tips. So our ultimate objective is to keep people out of our office um, instead of coming into us first, so that they can, so that we know they're taking the best care of themselves possible. So our thirty day program is absolutely free. You get free tips from me every every day for thirty days start incorporating those. If you feel awesome, great. If you don't, then call our office and we can set up a time to speak and connect with you to figure out what we can do and how we can partner to help you feel your best.
1: Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We've really enjoyed having you. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at chantelrayway.com. See you guys next time. Thanks for being on the show. Bye-bye. Bye.